So hopefully everybody's enjoying the craziest time of our lives. <laughs> the coronavirus quarantine still going on. It is going to go on for quite a while. I guess the date is April 7th for things to get back to normal life to shift back to what we're used to, but it isn't looking like that's going to happen anytime soon. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. Of course, I would like to return to normalcy on April 7th or hopefully before, but I don't know if that's even an option. So staying at home, playing some video games where I can still talk to friends and stuff online, you know, doing some podcasts. Hopefully you guys are finding some stuff to do that is enjoyable to do as well. Maybe listen to this podcast, Edge of Your Seat, with your host, Brandon Lachance. Maybe you're getting ready to plant a garden. Maybe you're decorating your house. You're doing some interior decorating. Maybe you're reading a book. Maybe you're cooking a lot of food, which I've been doing, and it's been a lot of fun and kind of soothing to the soul. Maybe you're catching up on your favorite TV shows from either current or past TV airwaves or broadcast waves. However you want to say that. But hopefully you're keeping busy, staying in your house, and staying safe. That is more important than anything else at the moment. That is for sure. But thanks for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Again, I am host Brandon Lachance. The intro and outro beat are Brian Cavelli, a good friend of mine from SIU in Carbondale. That's my dude. We'll do the plugs right now before we kick it into show gear. And we'll start with social media, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Please send us a follow or an ad request or I guess it's a like for business pages. Not really a business, but it's under a business page. I mean, it's Edge of Your Seat Podcast and we just try to keep it awesome all the time. That's all we try to do. So maybe it's an awesomeness page. Yeah, we'll go with that. Twitter, Edge of Your CP. And I don't know where you're listening to this one, but you can find us on... Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. And if you have any suggestions, questions, anything that you want to say, you can send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. On this very show, I have a good friend of mine, Josh Nauman, who is the coach of the IBCC women's basketball team. Josh and I spoke on... March 4th, I was at a NIU women's basketball game where I saw the Huskies upset Ball State 70-62. to We talked before the game. I was in the, the little lobby area tucked away in by a staircase in a door where nobody was and talked to Josh about everything IVCC, Eagles, women's basketball. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, he's a good friend. I've known most of the, the women on the team for at least a couple years because I've seen almost all of them on the high school hardwood. So it was good to see them play college ball and to kind of be a part of it. Again, I've said it on the show many times. Wish I could have been more a part of it. But with work schedules and other things going on in life, that wasn't able to happen. But I enjoyed every minute of it. And it was cool to watch the team grow as the season went on. Like I said, we talked in the beginning of March. It was a week after the season had ended. And the high school Illinois Valley All-Star game was still set to take place. Unfortunately, since then, the game that Josh has been throwing for almost a decade, it was canceled, unfortunately, because of the corona, just like everything else in life right now. I could have edited it out, 
but it was cool about the background and you know the upbringing of the game, why he did it, what it means to him, what it means to a lot of the players. I thought it was a cool sentimental moment and I wanted to keep that on there. I mean, we could all use those cool sentimental basketball moments right now as there's no sports going on whatsoever, which, you know, it's saddening, but just to sit and relive just moments of sports and, and things that you've done either yourself or that you've watched, viewed other people doing, it's pretty cool to still have those memories. So might as well keep them alive in a time where not a lot is living except work and isolation. So well, I kept it on there. I know it's, I don't want to say dated, but from beginning of March. But it was awesome having Josh on and to talk about the IVCC women's basketball team. Before we get to the conversation, a couple things I want to talk about as I was in a quarantine for the last six days. I just went to work. We're in a weird rotation right now. So I'm back to work for a few days, which I really enjoy. I'm not really a homebody, so just sitting here hasn't been awesome, but I have used it to the best of my abilities. I've read some books. I actually read a book and a half. Okay, I read one book. I was halfway through one, and I'm, okay, not even quite halfway through the other. So three-fourths of a book, something like that. Anyway, finished the book, started another. I made all kinds of food, which I'm cooking for myself, so I tried to portion off, so I didn't, you know, gain 35 pounds in six days. Played a lot of Call of Duty. I had gotten this game, actually Black Friday shopping, which I'd never done before in my life. So I get Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Psyched to play it. But I also got Red Dead 2, Red Dead Redemption 2, at the same time. So I was like, hey, I'm gonna play Red Dead first, and then, you know, I'll play Call of Duty. I downloaded them both. I got so sucked into Red Dead 2, and I've already been sucked into NBA 2K for 10 years. I downloaded Call of Duty, but then took it off without even playing because I was so invested in these other games. And I don't really play a lot. I'm not an hour a day gamer. If I can game here a half hour, game here a couple hours, you know, that's what I try to do. But I'm not a all day eat, breathe, sleep video games. I really can't afford to do that. And I probably lose my mind. But I finally got to play. I got to play with some good friends. And then I played this game called Overcooked 2 with my nieces and nephews. So I was playing with them online and it was just cool, I guess, bonding, isolation bonding, virtual gaming bonding, however you want to word that, with some friends and some family. So it was very cool. So I tried to use the best of my time. That's what I tried to do. Hopefully it worked. While I wasn't doing all of those things that I already listed, I actually watched some TV. First, I have to say that Shameless is one of my favorite shows ever. I had not seen season nine. Finally on Netflix. It might have been on Netflix for a while. I haven't checked. But I started watching it. I'm probably like five, six episodes in. I love Shameless. I love the characters. I love the, just the overshadowing that goes on in the show. Like, yeah, they're pretty much all scum buckets. And they know it. They try their best. They get along in life. But where we're at now in season nine, it's like all of them are trying to take a leadership role. It's like they've all come full circle. Like, all needed to be taken care of. Fiona was a hot mess in the very first couple seasons of Shameless. I would not call Fiona a hot mess anymore, by any means. She's owning properties. She's putting a foot forward constantly, trying to do better, trying to do better, trying to do better. In the first couple seasons, all she was doing was losing jobs, getting drunk, going to jail, all kinds of craziness. All kinds of craziness. It made for great TV. 
<laughs> that's for sure. But it's cool to see the full circleness of her as a character, of her as a person. Same thing with Lip. Obviously, alcoholic. Got kicked out of college or left college, whichever one. Now he's a recovering alcoholic, going to AA meetings. He's being a sponsor for somebody else. He's taking after a 10-year-old girl that he has no, no relation to. He's not a dad. He's not anything to her. Taking her in, trying to raise her, like, point her in the right directions of life. Carl, just a crazy little kid. Did whatever he wanted to, got in all kinds of trouble, all kinds of trouble. And now, in the military, trying to get to West Point. What? West Point? Carl? From Shameless? Insane. Debbie, fighting for women's rights at labor yards. She's a welder. Wants equal pay. So she's putting her foot down, starting, I didn't see a petition, but she's starting chants and speeches in front of all these employees, trying to get people to back her and to help her make it a cause for women to get paid the same as the men workers. So it is all very cool. It is cool to see the well-roundedness of these characters and starting from nothing and now actually trying to do something with their life in all different kinds of ways. You can even say the same for Ian, gay Jesus, in prison trying to fight for equal, equal rights against gangsters and people that they're trying to sleep with. Insane concept, but he's trying to make a difference in the world, in life. He's fighting for a cause and trying to make some change and people are looking up to him. He gets bailed out of jail by fundraisers and by people that see something good in what he's doing, fighting for equal rights of gays and lesbians. Again, just well-roundedness, showing where these people have come from. They come from nothing, they kind of scum of the earth, flipping it around and trying to make differences in any little way possible. I think it's a cool thing. You know, we're all trying to do that. All of us. Yes, we're all not gonna be president of the United States. Yes, we are all not gonna be dunking in the NBA. But we are all, in my eye, trying to do something different and change something. Whether it's changing how your child thinks or acts. Changing the amount of money in your bank account by mowing yards. Working at a bank. Being a police officer. Or, you know, maybe you're at a correctional facility and you're trying to be on the SWAT team. Whatever. You're shooting for things. You're trying to make differences in lives and your bank accounts. And that's exactly what the Gallagher's are doing too. So I can relate in that aspect. I have not done all the craziness they've done. Sure, I've been crazy. I've done some crazy things, but nothing like that. It's awesome to see. Other stuff that I've been watching. So I am a weirdo. You can call me a weirdo on this and that's fine. I'll agree with you. But I don't like searching for stuff to watch. I feel like if I am spending time searching for something to watch, I'm never gonna watch anything. And I hear people say it all the time, yeah, I searched for four hours and watched a TV show for 20 minutes and then I fell asleep. I try not to be that guy. So what I did, Disney Plus, there's a lot of stuff on there either I have not seen or I'd like to see again because I didn't see since I was a kid. Maybe form different opinions. You know, I'm a grown man now and I might have watched this when I was eight years old. Sometimes when you think something is cool when you're little, you grow up and you watch and you're like, maybe that wasn't as cool. Or maybe you still like it just as much or even more. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go back and watch some stuff. Thank you for Disney Plus for having a search engine. In the movie section, I can go A to Z. Why? I will start at a letter and watch every movie I have not seen because it doesn't set me up 
to spend an hour, two hours, three, however long it takes people to find stuff. Or me, I mean, I would do the same thing. I already know what I'm going to watch. I can watch everything at least once. So why not just form a system and I know what I'm going to watch every time that I turn my TV on, or at least Disney+. Plus. So I started with A. I am not going to go A, B, C, alphabetical order. I am not doing that. But I started with A. And I may have watched a couple of these movies again just because I wanted to watch it again. <laughs> like 10 Things I Hate About You. I love that movie, I'm not gonna lie. That's one of my guilty pleasures. I actually legitimately enjoy that movie. Heath Ledger was a beast. Julia Stiles, when I was a kid, I had a huge crush on her. Save the Last Dance, she was awesome. So I watched the 101 Dalmatians, 102 Dalmatians. Wasn't really my thing as a kid, not my thing now. I actually do not like the live action Disney movies. I have not been a fan of any one of them that I've seen, except Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast was cool. I did not like Aladdin. I hated Lion King. I will never watch the Lion King live action movie again. The animated version of Lion King is my favorite movie animated from Disney. Ever, 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 ever. So I love the story. I love the characters. I cannot get behind the live action movie. Not at all. I watched some <laughs> 12 Dates of Christmas. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Even if you are a chick and like chick flicks, which I'm not hating on you, not at all. I kind of like some chick flicks. Some, not all, and I don't watch them all the time. But some are okay, they're entertaining. 12 Dates of Christmas was one of the stupidest movies that I ever seen. The only cool thing about it was Zach Morris, Mark Paul, I'm gonna butcher his last name because I always do, Goshor, Goshar, Goshor, yeah. <laughs> Zach Morris was in it and it was Kind of cool to see him be a grown, I'm trying to get a girl to fall in love with me kind of movie instead of Zach Morris. I did give Kirk Douglas a shout out when he passed away. I watched 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I actually really enjoyed it. The older I get, the more I like older movies. This one was one of them. Kirk Douglas was a beast. He's like the Brad Pitt of his time in the 50s. And it was a a solid actor for what it was. He, it was a great movie. When I was a kid, I watched Flubber quite a few times because my sister loved it and I was a Robin Williams fan. I'm still a Robin Williams fan. So I watched The Absent-Minded Professor from 1961. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was goofy and black and white, but it was still really cool. I'm gonna have to, when I get to F's, maybe I'll do F's next just so I can watch Flubber. But The Absent-Minded Professor was actually an entertaining movie. I enjoyed it. And it was fun picking on the graphics. Like, come on, this movie's 1961, and they got this flubber, mechanical, like, slime sort of kind of, that can think on its own and move around. It does not look anything like flubber from the movie in the 1990s. I believe it was the 1990s. Nothing like it. It, it was kind of funny on the graphics. The graphic design was, you know, archaic. And I watched Adventures of Bullwhip Griffin from 1967. Interesting concept. A butler takes a kid, or I guess he follows a kid, you know, we we're talking old western times, to a saloon where he becomes like a prize fighter and just tries to live an extraordinary life that he did not have before. Interesting concept. It was pretty cool. And then the last one I watched was 1993's Adventure of Huck Finn. There's a million different 
renditions of this Mark Twain classic. But Elijah Wood in 1993 was a little kid, and it was funny to see. I mean, he was still wearing the Hobbit clothes before he was a Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing old school clothes in this movie because, I mean, it's old school plot setting. But he looked like a younger version of Frodo Baggins, no doubt. It was like he got off the raft on the Mississippi and went straight to the Shire. <laughs> That's kind of what it looked like. But out of those movies that I just listed, I'm just going to rank the top three. I go 10 Things I Hate About You, The Absent-Minded Professor, and then 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That's the way I would go. If you think differently, I'd like to know. Give me your rankings. That would be cool. But yeah, I'm a nerd, and I like to do things different like that so I'm not wasting time flipping through channels or going through millions and millions and millions of titles and not knowing what I want to watch. But that's enough of what's on my TV. Let's get to what's in your ear, and that's a conversation with IBCC women's basketball coach Josh Norman, good friend of mine. He's my boss, I guess, which is different, but it's cool. Really like learning from him. I thanked him about 18 times during this interview. I cut like 17 of them out, <laughs> but I talk to him all the time. Good dude. Definitely a good dude to learn from, and I'm going to call him my mentor right now in the coaching space. So let's get to that. Thank you for listening to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We will be back soon. Got some more interviews in the bag and some good ones as always. Until next time, peace. Usually I'm watching basketball or part of it somehow. Today I am at NIU Indy Cowb for the last home game for the women's basketball team. And I'm with Pat Beals, who is on episode 39. Good friend of mine was a guest of the podcast, but now I am joined by another good friend of mine, and I guess I can call him my boss, sort of, kind of. I am, of course, talking about IVCC women's basketball coach, Josh Norman. How's it going, Josh? Great. So how, how do we do that? Are you my boss? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. You don't listen to me much, do you? I try to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about being an assistant coach for Josh. I have told him a million times how thankful I am for being part of the team, but I guess I can do it on the podcast. Thanks, man. Not a problem. Glad to have you. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> At the beginning of the year, I wasn't able to show up much, but the end of the year, I think I picked up some slack. Yeah, it was nice having you around when you could make it. Well, let's talk about this year. It was your first year with the squad. You took over kind of late, so... Recruiting and having a team kind of was a team that you and molded was kind of out the window, but you get to do that this upcoming season. But let's talk about this year first and what you thought of the season that just ended last week. It was a lot of fun. Definitely a lot different after uh, 23 years of coaching high school boys and then two as a college men's assistant. It was a lot different switching over and getting to coach the college women, but it was really enjoyable. They were a lot of fun to be around. I had a great time this season. We probably didn't have the results we would have all liked. I mean, we ended up 9-16, and 16, but considering, like you said, I took over kind of late. I got the job. It was the middle of June, and we had five girls signed for this season. And, you know, you come the middle of June, there's not a whole lot of players left that are looking for a place to play. So we were able to find some students at IV who had played before and actually even 
one who hadn't really played before. So we filled out a roster, and one of the sophomores had decided to play volleyball instead of basketball. We talked her into coming back out, and we were able to get a roster of 10, and, you know, we had a lot of fun. Thought they got a lot better as the year went on. Yeah, I was just looking today, getting ready for the All-Star game, and saw Gabby Engelhoff average seven points a game, I think, last year in high school, and she averaged about 12 a game for us this year. So, yeah, she really improved, and I thought a lot of our players really improved as the season went on, and I'm excited about what we have coming back next year. One of my favorite parts about being involved with this team this year was I seen all but two girls that were on the IVCC roster play in high school. So that was fun for me, and I thought Gabby stepped up her offense incredibly. And there was a couple other people that did that as well. But going from, you know, boys to, I guess, women's, women's basketball, what were some differences or some changes for you? I thought a lot less egos. You know, with the guys, it seems like a lot of the people want to be the star. They want to be the one taking the most shots. Uh, we didn't really have that. In fact, we probably had the opposite problem. We had nobody wanted to take the shots when it came down to it at the end of the game. But, you know, that and I think with the guys, a lot of times they think they all know it all and they think they know more than the coaches and they don't want to listen as much. And, you know, they think they have better ideas. Or with the girls, it seemed like they realized they didn't know as much. They didn't have the egos. They wanted to learn and showed up every day wanting to learn and wanting to get better. And, you know, they didn't care who was getting the shots. They were just very competitive and wanted to win. We were talking about Gabby. Uh, last week we had the all-region team meeting and the seating meeting, and Gabby actually ended up 11th for the all-region team. The top 10 make it. She missed it by one spot. And when I told her, I mean, she was kind of excited, and she was like, well, oh, well, I've never made an all-conference or all-tournament team before in my life. Actually, I got the ballot to vote for the all-conference team yesterday, and I was looking through it, and of all the people nominated, because this was stats for conference games only, Gabby was second in the conference in rebounding and second in steals. So I think she has a really nice chance of making that. Awesome. Is there anybody else that you think that might make the squad? Aubrey had some pretty good stats. Aubrey actually led the conference in free throw percentage. She only shot 10 of them in the eight conference games, so she shot 90%. She averaged, I think, about 12 points per game in conference, so... I think she's got a decent chance, and I think Meredith's numbers were pretty solid, too. Those three had the best conference numbers, it seemed like, so I'm hoping uh, at least one or two of them can make it. Definitely, and when we say Gabby Inglehop, she's from Hall High School. Aubrey Rhoda is from LaSalle, Peru High School. Meredith Sidwell is from... Deer Creek, Mackinac. There we go. Meredith actually ended up here from Deer Creek, Mackinac, because her parents went to IVCC. I believe both of them did, and she lives with her grandmother in Ottawa now. She uh, decided to come here and play, and she had a place she could stay, and we're glad she decided to. You know, we were talking about recruiting, and you only had five people there. Talk about the difference or discuss how it was for high school teams. You get the kids that are in your district or in your area. When it comes to college ball, you're recruiting your players and are trying to get players from all over the place or, you know, your region trying to get the best players involved. How is it different being able to recruit and make the team the team that you want it to be? Yeah, I'm really excited about that part of it. I mean, like I said, we didn't get to do a lot of that last year. This year, having a full year of recruiting, and we don't have a whole lot of scholarships available because we did bring in eight freshmen with the low numbers this year. But, you know, I'm excited. We can try and find people that fit the style I want to play. I mean, this year... Just based on the personnel we had, we couldn't do a lot of the things I would have liked to have done. You know, we really had 
no or not very much experience at all at point guard. We were pretty limited in a lot of ways on what we could do, but now we can try and bring in talent that fits the style I'd like to play, and I'm really excited about that. With you saying that, what kind of play would you like you know, IVCC Eagles to be known for? I love playing a fast, up-tempo type of game. You know, I, I love having the shot clock. I mean, in high school, I hated the teams that would score 35 points a game. They'd put me to sleep over there on the bench. You know, I want to play up-tempo fast. You know, I want to get it and go and put up a lot of points. To me, that's a lot more fun style to play. You know, get out and pressure defensively and really look to push the ball. So, you know, I'm hoping to uh, bring in several guards next year over the next few years who can really, uh, you know, look to play that style. Oh, I know the other thing I was going to say with the question before is, uh, you know, you were talking about recruiting and bringing people in. and It is nice being able to go get them. We're a little limited. We can give you know, tuition waivers, but we can't offer them a place to live. So that kind of limits things a little bit. You know, if we bring someone from out of the area, they have to find an apartment, which is always a challenge. IBCC women have traditionally had a lot of success just recruiting hard in the local area, and we would definitely like to continue that and hopefully bring in a few from out of the area that can help too. Uh, going back to this year's team, Going into the season, you know, with how it started, recruiting period kind of sort of over when you took over or players kind of decided where they were going to go, there was a lot of talk like how this team wasn't going to be good or, you know, not get a lot of wins. Sure, you finished under 500, but still got nine wins. That had to be pretty good for you from, you know, what you were able to put together and for these girls that were kind of doubted but still, you know, played hard every game. Yeah, it definitely was. You know, the preseason, we went up to a jamboree in the middle of October after a couple of weeks of practice, and we weren't real sure what to expect. And we didn't have Presley Hatton then, one of the returning sophomores who was still playing volleyball at the time. We pretty much just got blown out every game. We had another preseason scrimmage at Triton, and we shot, I think, one of 22 in the first half. At that point, you know, I was worried if we were going to win a couple games or not. And, you know, we really came together, and I think. You know, this group played hard. They got better throughout the year. I think we really exceeded some expectations early and did a lot better than we thought we would. And then, you know, later in the year, we kind of struggled. We lost a lot of close ones late in the year. But I think part of it, too, was earlier in the year, we thought we were going to get blown out some of those games late. And we were able to at least compete. And we, you know, played hard and gave ourselves a chance in them. What were some areas of improvement that you saw from the beginning of the season to the end that you were, you know, impressed with or happy about? A lot of it, just our scoring ability. You know, early in the year, we obviously we didn't have Presley, but at those jamborees and our scrimmage games, we just couldn't put the ball in the basket. Like I said, at Triton, that first half, we were, I think we were one of 22. The jamborees, we had trouble scoring. Just had a lot of freshmen in those first few games. They looked like, you know, deer in headlights. They had big eyes, and this game was being played at a lot faster pace than what they were used to, and we really struggled, but... Some people stepped it up a lot offensively. Like I said, Gabby really stepped it up. Aubrey Rona really stepped it up. At the end of the year, she was playing tremendous. I know our last game, our loss in the recent tournament, I believe Gabby and Aubrey combined for 39 points and 17 rebounds and only one turnover, which was great to see. Meredith Sidwell, another freshman, had some big games down the stretch. Um, she did a good job posting up and playing hard in the post. And really, we had a lot of girls step up. You know, Matt's uh, Utermark had a lot of really good games throughout the year, but she struggled with consistency like a lot of us did. You know, Presley and Emily are two sophomores. We haven't talked much about them, but we may have been talking about next year. But 
Presley and Emily were great throughout the year. You know, they did a tremendous job with their leadership. And Presley, I think, uh, last I checked, was second in the region, which is about, I believe, about 18 or 16 schools. She was second in three-point percentage at 41%. And I think she was, like, 21st in the nation in three-point percentage. So that was nice to see. You know, we had some players who played really well. I mean, everybody had some good games at times, but everybody struggled at times. But just getting some offensive consistency. And like I said, I think those three freshmen really stepped up towards the end of the year and started to get a little more consistent and started to uh, look to score a little bit more. And that was nice to see. Like you mentioned, we really haven't talked about Emily Cook and Presley Hatton much. Just your thoughts on them as players, you know, they're – career with IVCC is over, but I personally thought Emily Cook was a pretty solid all-around versatile player, and Presley Hatton, the size of a four, but could step out and shoot the three, obviously, with the numbers you were saying, and stretch the floor. Yeah, they were both just wonderful. I mean, they, they never complained. They showed up every day. They did what they were supposed to do. They were wonderful to have on the team. You know, Emily had to switch over and play point guard this year just because we didn't have a whole lot of options with handling the ball and she did a tremendous job. I mean she had a lot of turnovers and struggled with it early but she never complained about having to do it because that's what the team needed. You know she didn't score probably as much this year as she could have but a lot of that was she was spending so much time handling the ball. We usually had her guarding the other team's best guard. She just really did what we whatever we asked. You know, Presley, too. Presley had a lot of skills offensively, and she uh, had some really big games. You know, she shot the ball well. She was able to score, get to the rim some. She really, I thought, got a lot more aggressive offensively, too, as the season went on. Going into next season, without talking about recruits that are coming into the program, who are a couple players that are right now on the roster that need to step up or try to pick up their game, move to the next level, you know, freshman to sophomore year, to make IVCC a better team? I mean, obviously we've talked plenty about Aubrey and Meredith and Gabby. Those three started most of the year. Matt Sidwell also started quite a bit. So those four coming back will be expected to definitely play big roles. We have two post players back who played a lot off the bench with Janessa Hart and Naomi Ochuba. They both started, I think, a few games, and they both had some really big games, so they had some games where they struggled. So... You know, hopefully they can step it up a little bit and, you know, find some more consistency and a little more offensive game. They both rebounded great, but, you know, struggled at times with their offense. We also have coming back Zoe Miller and Maddie Porter, both from Ottawa. Neither one of them played their senior year of high school, and I don't think Maddie Porter played at all in high school, but it was uh, great having them around. They showed up and worked hard in practice every day, and they, uh, you know, both had some times where they did some really nice things. Uh, going forward, you know, with those players that you said coming back, you know, as they were freshmen this year, what are some, I guess, player characteristics or, you know, basketball attributes that you're looking for to add to this team to make it better? Definitely guard play. You know, I mean, like I said, we have uh, three guards coming back who played a lot and we're all starters a lot. But Gabby and Aubrey aren't really comfortable handling the ball. That's something they both need to work on is their ball handling. Matt definitely likes to handle the ball a lot so we have one back but we definitely want to bring in some ball handlers you know, I love having three or four guards out there at a time who can all handle the ball and play at a uh, you know up-tempo style so we're definitely looking for that I think we also need to look for some scoring you know replacing Presley and Emily you know we need to bring in some scores that can help 
hopefully the you know ones we have coming back can uh, improve in that area too. But you know, definitely, I think guard play and some scoring ability probably the two biggest things we're looking for. We're going into next season. Do you have anybody signed that you're enthusiastic about having to the team and anybody that you're still looking for? Well, we have one signed right now. We have Maddie Gransart from Midland High School, and she's Midland's all-time leading scorer. She averaged about 12 a game this year. I think she averaged a little more than that as a junior. They had a new coach come in this year. I think he went to a more uh, you know, balanced offense, tried to get more people involved. But she's definitely going to help a lot. She's someone who's very competitive. She plays very hard. She can handle the ball a little. I saw for the All-Star game, he submitted her stats today and nominated her for that. And I saw she shot 50% on threes for the year. I don't think she shot a lot of them. That's never been a big part of her game. But she obviously made some when she (laughs) did shoot them. So we're excited to have Maddie coming in. She signed a while ago. I'm not sure if I can even comment on the others who haven't signed yet. We've had three more commit, and we're setting up signings. We've got three that should be signing here in the next couple weeks. You know, they're going to be tremendous assets to the program, too. I know the answer to this. Can I say their name? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure if you can or not. I know, like, D1 and stuff, they can't comment on them until they've signed. I don't know if anyone actually cares for Juco, but... (laughs) So this has been a really crazy interview for me because I'm part of the team, but I'm interviewing you as media. So it's been a really weird interview for me. Like, do I say we? Do I say you guys? Like, what do I do here? Well, we cannot have an IVCC podcast episode without talking about assistant coach Brittany. And I'm going to butcher this. You're probably going to help me out. Moriarty. Moriarty. Yeah, that one. And I've... I've told her that I'm going to call her Brittany M, so it's not like I'm disrespecting her in any way. But Well, the girls loved it when we were on the bus and we'd be looking for a place to eat after games whenever they'd see a BMO Harris Bank, so they just started calling her BMO. Every <laughs> time we'd see the uh, BMO Bank, they'd, uh, hey, BMO, it's your bank, but uh, you probably can't put that in since you work at a rival. No, it's all right. I'll keep it in there. We'll call her, we'll call her BMO. It's all right. Call her BMO. I like it. I can pronounce that. Let's uh, talk about BMO. Obviously helped the team. Every time that I was around, her and I talked a lot of basketball. I got to know her pretty well. Uh, just how did she help you throughout the season guiding this team? She was great. It was just another person to bounce ideas off of. It's someone who's been around girls basketball a lot more than I have. So she definitely uh, you know, kind of knew the women's game a lot better than I did. And she's someone who's been there the last few years and has been coaching quite a while and she was a great asset to have I mean you know knows the game well she gets along great with the kids and it was just you know nice having another person who could see things that I don't always see and let me know what's going on and to bounce ideas off of so she's a tremendous asset to have in the program and glad to have her we can end this podcast with you firing me if that's what you wanted to do (laughs) no that's all right we'll keep you around (laughs) I'll cut your salary a little. <laughs> <laughs> so if I cut it, does that mean you have to start paying me to let you hang around? Oh, that might uh, that might be how it works. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now that I kind of got this podcast thing down, because I started the bank, podcasting, and coaching with IVCC all at the same time. So now that I'm kind of starting to get a routine, you're going to have to be on here a lot more. That's no problem. We should talk, too. we got an all-star game coming up in about a month. 
Yes, we can talk about that right now. So we have the Illinois Valley All-Star Game coming up. Always a fun time. Always the best, I feel, the best high school athletes basketball style in the area. And you started this, what, nine years ago? This is the ninth one, yeah. Doesn't seem that long. No, I've probably been to like six of these. Let's talk about this year and, you know, what you're excited about with this game. Um, can't wait to have it. It's always a great time for the high school kids. Um, you know, we kind of started it. When I was coaching at Hardham, we had two all-star games like this that our kids would get to play in. Our conference played another conference in an all-star game. And then the Lincoln Lions Club had a big Heart of Illinois all-star game that was a huge area that was really hard to make it into. We got to coach both of those a couple times. It was a really enjoyable experience. Our kids loved it when they got to play in them. And when I got back here, there was nothing. You know, I moved back to this area and started coaching at Putnam County. And basically, if a kid didn't make the IBCA game, there was nothing for them. And, you know, it's fairly rare for kids to make the IBCA game around here. You may have maybe one or two kids in the area make it every year. So we wanted to start this, and I talked with Coach Dave Garsha with our AD at Putnam County at the time, and we kind of kicked around the idea and decided to start it. I talked to the guys who ran those games that I'd coached in before and got some ideas from them, and I think it's been really well. It, the kids like to play in it. It gives them one last chance to put on that high school jersey and go out and represent their school. You know, what I think uh, always surprises me and what is kind of neat is these kids have grown up playing against each other for years. So many of them have been rivals since junior high, but they don't really know each other and kind of get to spend some time together and be teammates. The kids really seem to appreciate that. We've had a lot of them, you know, making plans when they find out they're going to the same college to hang out. It also gives them, like I said, a positive experience taking off that jersey for the last time. You know, all the years of coaching, that's always one of the uh, toughest things for kids is when they have to take off the jersey for the last time. And unless they were fortunate enough to win a state title or get third place, it's always going to be after a loss. It's usually going to be after a disappointment. You know, you sit in those locker rooms after the last game, and there's usually a lot of tears, and kids don't want to take it off. I've seen kids sit there for 45 minutes and refuse to take it off. But, you know, this way they kind of get to come out one last time and have a positive experience. It's been something I think the kids really enjoy. It's a lot of fun for the kids. It's a lot of fun for us to watch it. The girls take it seriously. Maybe they don't watch the uh, NBA All-Star Games and know that it's supposed to be an All-Star Game and you don't guard anybody. But the girls' games usually get pretty competitive. The guys' games are usually just uh, run up and down the floor and try and dunk and shoot a lot of threes. But they're still fun to watch. Well, Coach, boss... (laughs) My game is starting, or not my game, NIU's game is starting, and I know you have to pick up your daughter from gymnastics. She doesn't want to hear us talk, so I'm going to let you go. Thanks for joining me for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm sure I'll see you soon. Yep, it's been fun. We'll see ya.